Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Find yourself on the spectrum. That could be you are a mother. That could be you've stepped up, uh, taken on a role to be a mother to someone, or um, you are uh, just um, in that process of really maybe even being a mentor to somebody. That's still a motherly role that you have. And so uh, we want to celebrate you today um, and honor you because you deserve that honor. And we love you. We're standing with you. Um, and uh, we want you to know that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, right? And you, as you do that, I have uh, this story that I, I want to read. Uh, uh, I found it. Uh, hopefully you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. But it's called, When a Southern Grandma Goes to Court. When a Southern Grandma Goes to Court, because we all know the progression, right, of, of mom becoming grandmas, but some of those grandmas can turn out to be wonderfully interesting um, creatures, right, as the older they get. So this story takes place in Mississippi. Uh, in a trial in a Southern small town, a prosecuting attorney called his first witness a grandmotherly elderly woman to stand. He, uh, he approached her and said, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? She responded, uh, why, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I know you since you were a little boy. And frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie. You cheat on your wife. You manipulate people and talk about them behind their backs. You think you're a big shot when you haven't got the brains to realize that you'll never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. The lawyer was stunned. Not knowing what else to do, he pointed across the room and asked Mrs. Jones, do you know the defense attorney? Again, she replied, why, yes, I do. I know Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster, too. He's lazy, and he's got a drinking problem. He can't build a normal relationship with anyone, and his law practice is one of the worst in the entire state. Not to mention he cheated on his wife with three different women. One of them is your wife. Yes, I know him. The defense eternally nearly died, right? Then the judge asked both counselors to approach him at the bench and in a very quiet tone said, if either of you idiots ask her if she knows me, I will send you both to the electric chair. (laughs) I thought that was just kind of funny, right? So moms turn into grandmas, right? At the end of the road. And you know what? There's nobody that knows you better than your mom, right? And there's no one who loves you more than your mom. And so um, this message today is kind of one of those things where it's a mom's message, but I don't want men to discount it or to think, well, yeah, you're just talking to the moms, because I think you can draw some things out of it as well. Um, And so there's this proverb that uh, says this, not, uh, and it's not from the Bible, by the way, okay, but it says, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world which implies that the very same mother, grandmother, mentor, we'll kind of use that as we go on, who raises um, a child has a major role in determining his or her character for the future. A mother has that role. A grandmother who maybe is helping uh, 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 raise children 
And you know what? I, mean, I, would, I would even push it, you, you, even if they are older, even if they're like maybe even middle school or um, elementary, I mean high school, um, I, you still have a role to play. And so we have to understand that um, moms, uh, grandmas, mentors have, have a great influence in a child's growth. A great influence. Because they, they have the opportunity to deposit biblical values that can turn their kids, their grandkids, or whoever it is, they could, they could implant those things inside of them to be people who turn the world upside down. I know I'm kind of on that idea, that thing, since we've talked about it the last two weeks. But I, I honestly believe that part of our job, too, is not just us being available, but also when we have kids, we have an ability to influence people that we should be pouring into them so that they get to know the God that we know, and then they turn around and they begin to upset the world around them. But see, that's part of being a mom. That's part of being a father. That's part of being a mentor. That's part of even being a grandparent. Because actually what happens is, is when you start doing that with children, when you start doing it with the grandchildren and the people you're mentoring, then you know what? You're going to affect generations to come. And that's so important. Did you know that God's into generations? He really is. It's not just, you know, he just focuses on one little group. But God is always thinking ahead of time, generations. How do we, does this impact generations? And so sometimes we've got to look at it too as, as parents and be able to say, okay, well then how, how, how am I impacting the, my generations to come? Hopefully we're, we're impacting it in a godly way, right? And so the title of my message today is, Moms, Your Investment Can Turn the World Upside Down. Moms, Your Investment Can Turn the World Upside Down. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. Help us to have ears to hear. Help the guys hear too. And not to turn out. But we thank you for speaking deeply into our hearts today from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So if that statement is true, then there is no better example than what we're going to look at this morning. So I asked you to turn to 2 Timothy. Because here, um, the mother mentioned in our text... And the grandmother mentioned in the text raised a young man that became a world changer by turning the world upside down by the legacy, right? The legacy they implanted inside of him. Each one of us, whether we know it or not, we, we, we implant a legacy inside someone, right? Our kids, our grandkids, we're, we have the opportunity to plant a legacy, put seeds inside to where it's going to grow into something that God wants to do. But see, we have to understand that. We have to figure this out. That, you know what, what am I implanting? What am I putting in? Am I putting in a legacy of faith? Or am I putting in a legacy of something else? Worry, anxiety, stress. Or maybe not even a legacy of church or, going, or God. Because sometimes that happens. But see, each thing that we do, each thing that we decide as parents and as grandparents and as uh, mentors or whatever, what we're doing is we're actually pouring in and trying to build legacy. And we want to build legacy of faith. So mom, what you're doing, right, in raising your kids and grandmothers, what you're doing 
is such an important investment, such an important investment in this legacy of faith. So here we're going to see Timothy. He's the one that this letter is addressed to. He was a young, faithful disciple in the Christian faith. And his character and his reputation was so outstanding, he was a person that was handpicked by the Apostle Paul to come and spread the gospel and to even pastor a church. Okay? So let's pick up 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. It says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm writing to Timothy. My dear son, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Verse 3. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did night and day, and I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I, will be filled, um, and I will be filled with joy when we uh, are together again. Verse 5. I remember your genuine faith, for you, sh- uh, you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I'm reminded you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, uh, timidity, sorry, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. Okay? So we can see that Timothy is the recipient of this letter. And we can see that Timothy had a strong, consistent upbringing that allowed his, gen- his, his genuine faith to grow, allowed it to, to emerge at an early day, at an early age. So when we look at the text, moms, grandmas, mentors, right? Kind of who I'm talking to, but dads listen to this too as well. I want to give you three investments. Three investments you can invest into your children or grandchildren or those you influence, kids that you influence in some way to, to change the world, right? By upsetting the world by who they were taught to be. Who are you teaching them to be? And so they're very simple. The first one is uh, tenderness. Tenderness. Tenderness is something that moms are great at. Wouldn't you agree? Right? As kids, we fell. We scraped our knees. We cried. Right? And who came running to the rescue? Moms. Where dads would be like, suck it up. That's just a scratch. Stop crying. Oh my gosh, spit on it. Rub some spit in there, man. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. But where moms come and moms are like, oh, baby, honey, what's wrong? Oh, let me look at that. Oh, it's going to be okay. (laughs) It's going to be okay. Where dad's like, you know what? Just stop. Am I right? So moms have this ability to bring tenderness to the table when it comes to um, working with the kids or, or showing that. Moms, you have such an ability to pour into your kids' tenderness. Tenderness. And, and in the text that we're looking at, Paul says, Timothy, I remember 
when you shed tears. Did he say that? Yeah, he said that. He said, I remember, Timothy, when you shed tears. Not Paul shedding tears, but it was actually Timothy who, who cried. What I love about it, because I can identify with Timothy, I'm a crier too. I read that and I'm like, yes, I can relate to you. Because there are times when, man, I don't know what it is, but man, all of a sudden, I, man, it wells up with inside of me. And I know we're taught differently, hey, you're not supposed to cry. But, you know, I love that commercial that said, hey, man, it's just your awesomeness pouring out of you. But see, Timothy, Timothy was a little bit of a crier. But then I'm looking at it and think, well, Paul, Paul, why did you call him out? Why did you call him out in the letter, right? Because you know, looking at it, people are going to go, because people are going to read that letter. He's a crier. Oh my gosh, he's that guy. What a whiner, what a crier, what a baby. But see, the thing about it was, is that Timothy was probably the most loyal friend Paul had. One of the most loyal friends he had Right? And of all the people on, on Paul's staff, there was no one like Timothy. There was no one like Timothy. 1 Timothy 1 2 says, My true son in the faith. And we'll, we'll kind of address that in a minute. And when Paul tells the, the Philippian church, he sends Timothy to the Philippian church, this is what he says in chapter 2, verse 20. It says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Like Timothy. So there's this tenderness about Timothy. This tenderness that's going on. And this word like-minded equals, it's an equal soul. Our souls are the same. Our spirits are the same. Basically, he's saying, man, we track together. So if you get Timothy, you are getting Paul. And I love the fact of that influence in, in, in Timothy's life. Because, well, Timothy did not all of a sudden, you know, show up and be part of Paul's team when, when Timothy was like, you know, 40. Timothy became part of Paul's team somewhere around maybe 17 or in his early 20s. And over time, Timothy, Paul was pouring in to Timothy, right? He was pouring into him. And so Paul said, man, I have no one who is like-minded like me. This, this guy is going to care for you. He is going to be tender. He is going to um, express loyalty to you. He's telling the Philippian church this, right? And, and when you look at it and you think, well, like, okay, so where? Where did Timothy display this, this tenderness, this this?" Um, you know, kind of loyalty thing that he had going for Paul. Well, it, it, looking at a couple references, it could be the fact that when Paul and Timothy departed, when Paul uh, basically said, Timothy, you're going to go pastor to the church at Ephesus, and then Paul was going to leave. And Timothy could have cried then. He could have been had kind of had his moment, right? Another time in Acts 20, Paul goes to Ephesus, and he meets with all of the leaders, and they're um, kind of by the, the, the shore of the beach, and he's encouraging them. And then as he's wrapping up, Paul says, hey, let me pray for you guys. So Paul starts to pray, and as soon as Paul gets done praying, then it says, all of the elders began to weep. 
and great kind of like, you know, hold on to his neck or whatever, give him a hug basically. But, but there was something that Paul was depositing into Timothy and to these men. And then when, when Paul was going to leave, basically the reason why they thought it was that's the last time they're going to see Paul. And so they, they had this emotion about it. There was a tenderness about it. And so maybe those were the two times that maybe he's referring to. But man, I just, I, I don't know why he called them out like that. But I think there's something important to it because I think Paul's trying to get across that part of, of who we need to be as, as people of God is we need to have tenderness. We need to have compassion for other people. We need to have compassion or tenderness towards the Lord instead of sometimes being just really hard-hearted or just kind of like, yeah, well, God, God's here. Yeah, whatever. But we need to kind of open ourselves up and be more tender and say, all right, Lord, kind of like that song was talking about. You know what? Hey, mate, whatever you want. Come, come and, and, and whatever that is. If you got to, for lack of a better way to say it, crush me, then crush me. So that I can be what you want me to be. So I can be the best mom that you've called me to be. So I could be the best dad that you've called me to be. So I could be the best person you've called me to be. But man, it takes, it takes tenderness, right? And I would say this, for, for like Timothy, Timothy's sake, that tenderness is a good trait, especially in a, in a man. It's a good trait. I mean, you know this, any jerk could act aloof and, and whatever and just kind of, you know, try to get by. But just trying to act macho isn't the fact that you're masculine, Sometimes there's a sensitivity that has to take place. Sometimes there's a tenderness to the things that, that, that the Lord wants to put on. But see, we have to understand, you play such a major role in developing that within your kids, within who you, you come in contact with, with, the, with your grandkids and things like that. In Isaiah, God, God even compares himself to a mother. This is, this is amazing. It's awesome. But in Isaiah 66, 13, it says this, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So God is comparing himself to the tenderness of a mom. There's just something about that tenderness of a mom. But moms, you have to realize you are transferring that to your kids. Dads, you got to realize that it's okay for your kid to be tenderhearted. They're going to grow up to be fine, right? They will. But moms, use that gift that God has placed inside of you. There's an old Jewish saying that goes like this. God couldn't be everywhere, so he invented mothers. I mean, is that true? Pretty much. I think moms have eyeballs in the back of their heads sometimes. At least I remember as a kid thinking, man, I got away with that. Nope, I did not. But if we tweaked it a little bit, we could say one of the ways God shows himself to be everywhere is through the tender care and love of a mother. So moms, right, grandmas, mentors, you play a tremendous role in teaching your kids kindness and tenderness. 
But see, I believe that's where, where, where he got it from. Um, Timothy got his tenderness from his mother and from his grandmother. They were the two most important women in his life. Because they raised him, right? They taught him. They showed him tenderness. And it carried over to him. So it's tenderness that makes a man or a woman, right, approachable. It's tenderness that makes a man or a woman relatable. It's tenderness that makes a man or a woman credible. It's tenderness that can turn the world upside down. So that's the first investment. The second one is godliness. So moms, I encourage you, keep being that tender, loving, caring mom. Grandmas, do the same. Mentors, if you're mentoring a a child or mentoring kids, or even if they're a little bit older, just keep showing tenderness because it does bleed over. The second is godliness. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says, again, this is Paul writing, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know the same faith continues strong in you. Now, before we get into that, did you notice there's no mention of a father? No mention of a father. His mother was, his grandmother was, but he, his dad wasn't mentioned. So why is that? You know, because I, I know for a fact that we, I mean, we've heard, yeah, it's a fatherless society, therefore our kids are running amok. But you know what? If I'm reading this right, the fathers play a, a major role, don't get me wrong. But you know what? A parent is a parent. And sometimes a parent stops parenting. And so we have to understand that, you know what? We got a parent. We got to be a grandparent. We got to be a mentor to someone. But see, the reason why there's no mention is because some, some um, scholars believe that maybe Timothy's dad had passed away when Timothy was very young, or he maybe had left the family because he was an unbeliever. We don't really know what it was. We're told in Acts 16 when uh, we are introduced to Timothy, it says, uh, Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. Okay? So it seems to indicate in the text that we're dealing with a Jewish woman who believed that Jesus was the Messiah and Timothy's father was an unbelieving Gentile. So what does that mean? Timothy got his rock solid foundation of his faith from his mother and grandmother and not his father. So that to me kind of blows that whole theory of, well, I only get the foundation of my faith or I'm only going to do it because my dad is in my life. No, I believe that, you know what? Your kids can grow up to love the Lord without a dad. Because the mother and the grandmother is doing their job. They're showing tenderness. They're showing godliness. 
Another fact that we know that, that, that um, about this, about Timothy, um, was that uh, he was raised by his Jewish mother, but he was never circumcised. So Paul had to get him circumcised at this age of late teens, early 20s, in order to be able to take him on his, his journey of ministry in order to be able to preach to the Jewish nation. Because that, that was part of the covenant as Jewish people that you would get circumcised. Well, Timothy wasn't circumcised, so I bet his dad at the time was like, uh-uh, that ain't happening. We don't practice that, right? We ain't doing that. No, sorry, I don't care if you guys do it. We ain't doing it. And so here, Timothy had to get circumcised at an older age in order for him to be part of this ministry team. And then I love the influence of the mom, I think, in this, in, in this aspect as well, is because of how the name of Timothy. Did you know the name of Timothy means one who fears the Lord? One who fears the Lord. Now that sounds like a Jewish mama had some influence, right? She had some influence on that, that naming, right? Rather than naming, her, naming him something else. But, it's, but, but think about it. You know, in, in, in the Bible, if you read it, you'll see that, you know what, they, they put a, a very strong importance on naming a child. They, 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 they took it to a high priority. They, you would see, oh, well, I'm naming this child this as a reminder of what God has done. And so can you imagine the influence that every time Timothy heard his name, it brought back to him that he is one who fears the Lord as he's, as he's being raised? Timothy, one who fears the Lord. Timothy, stop doing that. One who fears the Lord, right? One who fears mom. <laughs> but, but, but get the image. So, so she names him this because she wants him to know that everything in his life is about fearing the Lord. Not, I'm scared, but reverencing who the Lord is. And so every time Timothy hears that, that becomes something in his life where it keeps going over and over and over. And it's growing this kind of faith for in him to honor God. Then we look at it at his mom. His mom's name was Eunice. And Eunice is the Latinized form of the Greek word unique, right? That doesn't mean unique, right? But it's unique. And I'm sure you're kind of familiar, but that last part, uh, Nike, is where they get Nike, right? The Nike um, clothes that we wear. We're all kind of familiar with that. But Nike was a, a, a winged goddess of victory. So now whenever you put on Nike, you go, yeah, winged goddess of victory, whatever, okay? But, but I think in some sense, she was named properly because here she had to, to raise a child, right? She had to um, be a conquering force in probably what you would consider a divided home. At, at however long that was. But she saw victory because her son became an evangelist. Her son became a pastor. See, so, so don't let other people define what your, your child could be. Don't, don't allow that to happen. Or don't let it, someone 
you know, decide what your um, 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 grandchild can be. God's got a plan. God's got a specific, specific purpose. But see, that's where we have to step up and become godly moms, godly dads, godly grandparents, godly mentors in the life of people. It's so important for us to just recognize that. And, and so then here, here you got Paul. He comes to this town called Lystra. And he, the first time he's there, he ministers to, to this town. And in that place is Eunice and Lois. And they get saved, according to the scripture. That's probably where they, 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 they get saved. And then what we have is a couple chapters later... Now, chapters doesn't mean, you know, just like two steps later and boom. Okay, this is a couple of years later. Paul comes back to Lystra and he finds Timothy. Now, Timothy was a, probably a young, young lad at the time. I mean, here's a, here's a Jewish mom who, who, who believed God, knew God, but then got saved. Believed that Jesus was the, the Christ, the son of the living God. And so grandma and, and, and mom get saved. Timothy's a young lad. And so what happens from that point on is they begin to invest into Timothy. They begin to, to, to plant seed into Timothy. Now, did they see it spring up right away? Probably not. But they didn't give up. They kept investing and they kept investing, and they kept investing, and they kept investing. So much so that when Paul came back, Paul recognized, man, Timothy's matured. He's matured in the things of God. Not only physically, but he matured in his faith. But think about this. Timothy was led to Jesus by his grandma and his mom, his mama. Not by a dad. Not by Paul's missionary journey, but it, but it just brings to us the importance of, 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 of being a parent, of being a mom, being a dad. The importance that you have the opportunity to, to mold and shape your kids. And I'm just telling you, man, even if they're older, that doesn't mean you give up being a parent. That doesn't mean you give up being a mama or a dad. You got to keep it up. It's hard work. I'm just telling you right now, even as they get older, it's hard work. But guess what? You signed up. You signed up for it. But man, I tell you, it's also very rewarding. It's very, very rewarding. So here, here Paul is. He recognizes, he sees the maturity of Timothy because his mom is, is pouring into him. His grandmother is pouring into him. He's growing. And then all of a sudden, Paul notices and says, hey, Tim. I think God's called you into ministry. And Tim's like, okay, what do I do now? And Paul says, come join me. Right? 17 years old to 20-something, right in that, that, that pocket right there. He says, come and join me. I want to put you on my preaching team. I want you to, to learn how to walk this journey out. But it's all because his mom and grandma played a major part in developing his faith. Let me say that again. It's because his mom and grandma played a major part in developing his faith. That's every day in the trenches, right? Parenting, 
grandparenting every day, to put developing, putting in these godly things inside of them. The Scottish have a great saying. They say an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. <laughs> right? That's awesome, right? Because a little bit of mama goes a lot further than a lot of the sermons that preachers preach. Ain't that true? Yeah, you can hear mama saying something in the back of your head right now. Like, have you ever been like in the store doing something and you with the end, all of a sudden you, you remember what your mom said to you one time? And you're like, ah. But it's, it's so true. A little bit of mama goes a long, long way. And then it says, his genuine faith. 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. Now, this word genuine faith basically means unhypocritical. It means genuine, sincere, or real. And, and the word that we get in the English language, hypocrite, right, um, we get from the, this word in the Greek, uh, basically kind of the same word, but it's hypocrite. And a hypocrite was an actor in the ancient Greek theater who wore and spoke under a mask, pretending to be someone or something they're not. So an unhypocritical faith is a person who doesn't wear a mask or try to pretend they're spiritual. Doesn't wear a mask. So he's telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, when I think of you, I think of someone who doesn't wear a mask at all. Your, your, your faith is just sincere. It's genuine. It's real. There's no falsity to it. There's no like, oh, I don't want anybody to know or see, so I'm going to put on a spiritual front or a spiritual mask, right? Timothy was the real deal spiritually because he had this genuine, unhypocritical faith. He didn't just give lip service to God. He walked it out in everything he did. And that's important as parents. That's important as mom and dad. Don't just give lip service to God in front of your kids. No, you live it out. And you, 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 you display it and you are the example of what it should be look like serving God. Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 through 9. I mean, God kind of gives us an example of this. Um, this kind of idea. It says, hypocrites, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. Notice they're doing something. Right? Are they doing something? Yeah. They honor me with their mouth. And, uh, I'm sorry. They honor me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is from, far from me. Does that mean that you can come to church? Does that mean you can, you can be at home and you can say things? But if it ain't backed up by your heart, if it ain't backed up by what you're displaying in front of them, God gets as radical as to say, hey, you're being a hypocrite. Verse 9, it says, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I mean, that, that, that's a heavy weight. 
But Paul says, man, you know what? I don't think of the, your faith is so genuine. But who did he get his genuine faith from? His mom and his grandmother. It's so important that we recognize that, that we've got this role to play. Abraham Lincoln, right, our 16th president, once said, no one is poor who has a godly mother. No one is poor who has a godly mother. So moms, grandmas, mentors, invest godliness whenever you can, right? The godly influence will upset their world, which then will help them upset the world around them. And then you're changing the culture. You're changing the environment because of this, this boldness, which is our third investment, boldness. So we've got tenderness, we've got godliness, and now we've got boldness. Invest boldness into them. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, This is why I remind you to fan and flame the spiritual gifts God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now, in some translations, the first word here is therefore, okay? Instead of this is why. But both have the same meaning. And it's saying, I'm referring to what I just said, okay? So Paul says, the genuine faith that was in you and your mother and grandmother, therefore fan into flame, stir up the spiritual gift God gave you, which is in you. So he's saying, in other words, you know what, Timothy, when I recall the foundations that have been built in your life, that you received this tenderness, you received this godliness, you have every reason now to be bold. So if you're planting tenderness, you're planting godliness inside of your kids, inside of those who, who you come in contact with, then you know what, they have every right to be able to lean on God and be bold in everything that they go after. And everything that they do, they have this, this, this ability because the Bible says, you know, uh, um, Paul says, stir up the spiritual gift in you with boldness. Each one of us has giftings. But see, I, I'm just going to tell you this. As, as, a, as a mom, as a grandma, as a mentor, even as dads, we as parents should be looking for those spiritual gifts. And we should be encouraging them. Step out. I see this gift. I see that. So you can step into that. Man, you got this. Right? God's got your back. But he says, stir up the spiritual gift in you with boldness. So he's trying to say, hey, man, Timothy, keep this going. Keep this fire burning. Keep, keep the fire alive. Fan the embers of your flame. Don't let them die out. But see, the principle is really simple. Tenderness and godliness provide the impetus for boldness. Impetus for boldness to turn their world upside down. They give a child all that is necessary for them to face life with that attitude is I'm going to make it through. God is going to come through. God's going to do it. I'm not going to shrink back but I'm going to be bold because I know I have a compassion for people. I know that I've got this godly upbringing that my, my grandma and my mom and all these other people around me have been pouring seeds into me. And I, I, I feel like, man, I, I can do whatever it is that God wants. But see, 
we have to understand that as we're sowing in our child's life, right? Again, we might not see the germination take place right away. But it's important that we keep planting, keep watering, keep planting, keep watering over and over and over again. To the point where, you know what? They begin to grow and encourage them. Hey, I see growth in you. I see things happening inside of you. Let's, what's going on? And even if you might not know, like, I don't know how to navigate a conversation like that, Pastor Scott. Yeah, you do. Because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it's just simply talking. Simply, simply sharing. I know even one time when Paul said to, to Timothy, he said, hey, don't, don't let people talk down because you're young. Don't let them despise your youth. So if you think about that, then you know what? We can learn some things from young people and their faith and what they're believing God for and what they feel God's doing in their life. We can believe, we can receive. I, whenever I've talked to like a, a, a Christian parent or a grandparent or a mentor, um, and I've talked to a lot over the years, um, a lot of them, man, this is what they basically tell me every time. I want my children, my grandchildren, the kids I influence to grow up and love and serve God. That's what their heart is. I mean, sign me up. I think we all would agree. Yeah, that's true. Let me read to you Psalms 127, verses 3 through 4. It says this. Behold, children are an heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior so are the children of one's youth. Now, one translator says you could translate the word heritage into assignment. So children are an assignment from the Lord. Which then means the real homework is is in the home. The real homework is in the home. We need to invest in the lives of those children. That's your assignment as a mom. That's your assignment even as a grandparent. That's your assignment as a mentor. That's your assignment. And then it goes on to say, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So when we use that that terminology presupposes that children are supposed to be launched. Right? And it presupposes that you know what the target is. And it also presupposes you've derived at the target first. So you got to live it out before them. Not, listen, not just on a Sunday. It's got to be every single day you're doing your homework. You are, are investing godly principles into those children. To the point, at one point, where they begin to realize, man, look at that faith they have. It's so genuine. And it grows inside of them. Right? You, you know that, man, kids are parrots. Right? I mean, they, they, they'll copy what you do. I, I remember for a long time when Kelsey grew up, I don't know if I ever told this story, but when Kelsey was growing up, our first kid, we would be driving down the road, and me and Heather had this thing about always saying, whatever. 
whatever. Like she'd say something, whatever. And then I'd say something, she'd say, whatever. Well, all of a sudden, Kelsey picked up on that. So we were diving or whatever, and we said something to her, and she said, whatever, but in a little tiny, you know, girl's voice, whatever, and both me and her looked back like, what? Like, you saying what? But see, it's the importance to realize is that you set the example. So if you are someone who is, is kind of just, you know, during the week, man, there is a bunch of eraser marks when it comes to your faith and your Christianity, or you've raced some lines and you allowed yourself to kind of walk through those lines and your kids are picking up on it. Your kids are, are watching. And they're like, well, hey, if mom and dad can do it. Hey, I guess I can do it. And so as they get older, you're wondering, well, what happened? Why, why don't they want to go to church anymore? Well, how is your consistency in church? Right? I mean, just being real. Because we're, we're, we're setting an example. So I, I get this picture because of who Timothy turned out to be, that, that here we have Eunice and Lois who are very much, hey, man, we are, are developing and growing. They weren't using erasers on their, their walk with, with, with Jesus. They were very much, here is the box. And Timothy, I'm sorry, but we ain't erasing that box. We ain't erasing the lines. Because, Timothy, we've been given an assignment. And that assignment is to raise you into someone who can change the world for Jesus. But sometimes we don't take that necessarily as an assignment. Sometimes we're like, man, I'm barely making it, man. I didn't, man, this parent thing is hard. They didn't give me a book for it. I, man, it's crazy. But, but we have to understand it's so important that we just are able to grab a hold of that because we should be at a place in front of our kids showing them the way. In front of our grandkids showing them the way. In front of those that maybe we come in contact with, we should be out in front saying, hey, this is how it is. This is what we're doing. This is what God's doing. And, and showing them the way. It's, it's just so, so important. And that's what happened with Timothy. You saw that from his grandma and his mom. Because they had it first. They had it first. They lived it first. Right? Because you can't pass on what you don't know. Right? Or what you don't have. You just can't. You can't pass it on. I wouldn't say that I have great electronic skills. I'm old. I get it. So it's really hard for me to pass on anything to my kids when it comes out. I mean, they're the ones that show me. But see, I can't pass on that knowledge to them because I don't know. Same principle. I can't pass on godly principles to them if I don't first know them first and apply them into my life. That's why it's so important that we understand that, you know what? We need to have it first, right? It's got to be real. And when we have it, then our kids can get it. Because Lois and Eunice had it, Timothy got it. It was real to him without hypocrisy. So we can't tell our kid, hey, launch towards the goal 
if we haven't modeled the goal for them. And so I'll just wrap it up here. Moms, grandmas, whoever you are. You have one of the most important tasks on planet Earth, right? The job of a mother. You really do. A mother's job never ends and her influence lasts a lifetime. It does. So thank you for being you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for honoring the Lord. Thank you for your tenderness and your godliness that will lead to boldness in the lives of your kids or in the lives of those who you come in contact with. Because it's just so important to recognize that you play an integral part in the life of of kids, in the life of, of your family, whether your kids are old or not, doesn't matter. You still have an ability to invest in them. And that investment, I believe, will never come back empty. But that investment will grow into something. You know what? And, and, and I'm just convinced, too, it doesn't matter how old they are. Keep investing. Keep planting seed. Right? Because I know some of us might have kids that are older that just aren't following the Lord right now or really into the Lord. But see, don't give up on it. Yeah, sure, they're past 21. Yeah, they're past that age. But you know what? Don't give up. Keep planting seed. Keep planting seed. Let it germinate, right? Let it, let it grow. Keep watering. Let it, let it begin whatever. And all of a sudden, man, I, I, I'm thankful for God's word that it will not return void in their life. And you that have really small ones, then man, I, I want, or, or, or you have grandkids that are really small, man, invest, 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 plant, 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 plant. Do whatever you gotta do. I think they say the most important age to invest in a kid is uh, one through five, ages one through five. So if you got little ones or you're around little ones a lot, Invest, 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 invest. Not saying, moms, you're not doing a great, you are doing a great job. You really are. But I just wanted to bring this idea of of seeing the example that Lois and Eunice brought to Timothy. And Timothy got everything he walked in as a believer from his mom and grandma. And it's just, just an important reminder for us to, to, to know that, you know, what you do counts. What you say counts. What you invest in counts. So keep up the good work, Mom. Keep up the good work, Grandma. Keep up the good work, Mentor. Keep up the good work, Dads. Right? Teach your kid tenderness, man, if you're a dad. It's all right. They ain't going to shrivel up and die. But just teach them. It's okay. Bow your heads. Well, Holy Spirit, we thank you for this morning. 
I pray, Lord, that uh, the word of God went forth in such a way that towards your moms today, towards our moms and towards our grandmas and mentors and those ladies that are, are investing into the, the kingdom by the actions that they have or the things that they do with, with the kids they come in contact with uh, and even older ones, Lord. I thank you that, Lord, even if they're not serving Jesus right now, Lord, we lay claim to their life and we call them back home into a, a relationship with Jesus. But Lord, do a work within us. Let us walk out with joy. This wasn't supposed to be a message about, you know, feeling like I was Captain Bummer. But let, let, let people walk out with joy. Let people walk out thinking, man, this today is a day I celebrate my mom for all that she's invested into me. Even if our moms are, are up in heaven, we can still thank the Lord for our mom's faithfulness, teaching us tenderness and godliness and giving us boldness to walk out our faith. And so I thank you for what you're going to do this week in our lives. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to speak and reveal. Make this even a deeper message inside of them so they can draw from it. And I just thank you for your hand of blessing as we celebrate mothers today in Jesus' name. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.